Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. It is Michael Harding, and you're listening to the Business Hour. Where's your head at on Unity Radio? So, I hope you are all well. Hope you're safe. I hope everyone's family and loved ones are okay. Uh, today, we have a very special guest, someone that may be able to add extreme value to you, um, and it's my good friend Daniel from a company called Sportskey. But I'm gonna let Daniel introduce himself. Daniel. Hello, hi all. Thanks for having me, Mike. Appreciate it. No worries, man. No worries. No worries. Uh, after, after, we've only recently kind of like connected, um, but just knowing your value and like what you can do for the community and for people's businesses, people's lives, I just thought, gotta get you on the airwaves. Gotta, gotta, gotta get that goodness <laughs> out there. <laughs> That's what I gotta do. So yeah. Um, so. What I want to ask you is my first question, which I ask everybody as soon as they come on the show, which is, where's your head at? Where's my head at? Um, good question. Good good starting point. Um, well, I suppose what's at the forefront of my mind is probably what is at the forefront of everyone's mind sort of <laughs> in England globally, which is <laughs> England has entered another national lockdown, <laughs> um, another restriction on our sort of our movement, our freedom, um, obviously for what seems to be a worthwhile cause. So mm-hmm. I suppose that's at the forefront of my mind. Um, obviously, we had the announcement last Saturday now, is it? Yeah, yeah. it was just before Halloween. When yeah, just yeah, before yeah, Halloween, yeah, yeah, with everything yeah. kicking in mm-hmm. on Thursday. So Thursday just gone. For me personally, it was a bit of a, a roller coaster, mm-hmm. professionally and personally, with mm-hmm. um, having to balance certain things, trying to get things over the line before Thursday, having mm-hmm. to shut down a lot of the community activities we deliver face to face so okay. that was a bit of a that was a bit of a bummer but um but ultimately we were quite agile we're quite flexible as an organization so we just keep had to moving. kind of keep it moving you know okay. what i mean but um nice. but yeah i suppose that's at the forefront of my mind and probably everyone else's and i suppose it's just what to believe i think for me without going into too much detail and some of the stuff that i read here see um People just don't know what to leave, believe anymore. I too think much too, information. too much information. I think mm-hmm. I, I, I sort of subscribe to a lot of alternative media. Mm-hmm. And within that, I suppose, if you've got the foresight of knowing where they want to take us, mm-hmm. and to me, that is cashless society. To me, that is higher degree of surveillance on, on mm-hmm. people. Um, to me, that is effectively universal basic income where people mm-hmm. are more reliant on government structures mm-hmm. um, and less entrepreneurial spirit, less businesses, less enterprises, then you can kind of see how COVID-19 fits into that narrative going forward. Mm-hmm. However, um, I'm not one of these people that says there is no virus. I believe there is a virus. Mm-hmm. I personally think it, it's a pandemic, if I'm being honest. Um, and I can see the way it's, it's sort of taking us globally, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I subscribe to whilst it is a pandemic, there is something in circulation and yeah. it is affecting people and it is obviously um, impacting people's lives. I haven't personally been impacted by it thus yet in terms of my close family, friends, yeah. circle, um, but ultimately I hear and see people who have and they say it's very real. So yeah. um, it is changing the way we operate and uh, I just feel ultimately um, maybe we just need to be more inquisitive as a society, ask more questions 100%. about government because we tend to sort of believe government institutions and the systems mm-hmm. uh, probably a bit too much without really questioning if so I'm honest. This is why I was dying to have you on as a guest because you're someone that has a knowledge of kind of the inner workings of what is available and what the government is actually offering to mm. a lot of communities and mm. a lot of ethnic minority communities and I think 
one of the things that I see that's happened, which which happens every couple of years and again every couple of hundred years is the gap between different classes starts to expand yeah. and as that expands it kind of causes a bit of a oh you're not helping me da, 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 da. Oh, what about me poor me syndrome but from what I understand and then from meeting you and you really showing me oh hang on a minute the government actually is offering funding and is actually pouring money into communities it's just that people don't really know yeah so is that in in that this is a bit of a controversial question to ask you whose fault is that is that the government's fault or is that the people's fault for not knowing um it's it's too pronged if I'm honest with you and i suppose um without getting too deep into it i always feel and and sort of going throughout my time on this on this earth i always felt that and and it's sort of it's always rewritten itself over and over again that certain systems that are put in place and put on people yes they may disadvantage everyone Mm -hmm. but actually they're always going to disadvantage a certain degree of the population more than others basically Mm -hmm. and i feel that's where we're at in terms of covid and and what you describe as that inequality gap getting worse whether it be health education Mm -hmm. finance so on and so Mm -hmm. forth um part of what i do in the community along with some of my work through sports key, which I'll go on to kind of dive a bit deeper into just a moment. But part of what I do is try and help community organisations who are doing great work in the community understand some of the external investment opportunities that are out there for them. Mm-hmm. Um, my previous work, the way I can define it is within my previous work, I worked in a system where actually um, a lot of time was spent working with people on the ground, mm-hmm saying that we knew and understood the, 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 the sort of trials, tribulations of people in the community, mm-hmm. taking all of that knowledge, packaging it up into a investment proposal. Something a, digestible. Something digestible yeah, okay, and getting yeah, yeah, investment yeah, yeah. from investors directly into that, what I define as a middle-tier organisation. Mm-hmm. But once that money lands with that middle-tier organisation or that middle system, have you, um, by the time it actually gets to that same community group, which they've extracted all the knowledge, all the information, all of the credibility about what's going on in the community, by the time it actually gets to that community organisation or that delivery organisation locally, it's, it's pretty much next to nothing. The investment it, it becomes so short term. It's diluted. It's short term, ah. and it's it's short term investment for a deep rooted long term issues, um, yeah. and and it's never gonna. It's never going to basically create opportunities and do what it's supposed to be aimed to serve. Um, and ultimately, a lot of the work that I do in the community is trying to flip that on its head. It's trying to empower communities, empower organisations to become aware of how to access investment and grant funding mm-hmm. and empower them to be able to access that themselves. And rather than going to what are the middleman agencies, as I describe them, or the middleman tier system, mm-hmm. is going directly to investors and in directly to external grant funders and helping them to just develop a, I suppose, a compelling argument, a compelling proposal that they're able to get investment directly to them themselves. And it, it means more of the budget goes to the ground where it's needed and it's going to have much of more of a worthwhile impact. This guy and that guy. Well, and rather than spilling over into kind of the middle tier agencies and organizations pockets and the salary into people that already earned quite a lot of money already to be quite honest with you so i think i think ultimately that's where a lot of my work sits in the community outside of my sort of 
day-to-day job with mm-hmm. SportsKey. Um, he's really trying to help empower organisations and, and, and enable them to access a lot of the investment and finance that's out there that they don't necessarily know about okay. and that a lot of the gatekeepers don't necessarily know them, make them aware about at this current moment in time, okay. if that makes any sense. What I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, start on facebook live now because i think now we're getting into the the meat and bones of what it is that you do so i definitely want to get what you're saying out there to the people so uh again anybody that's just tuning in uh, and with daniel uh daniel allen right yep that's daniel the one allen. yep uh, full government full- <laughs> <laughs> i just call you dan uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. yeah i'm with daniel allen uh, from sports key and we're just talking about um funding and community interest and and doing stuff for the community so i'm I'm intrigued like (coughs) you didn't have to get into this side of life but what made you go you know what i want to solve this problem yeah well i I think ultimately it's quite interesting actually and i don't want to get into i don't think we've got enough time to sort of describe my full journey whilst mike sort of carefully positions the camera but um (laughs) (laughs) you got it Almost, almost done. There we go. There we go. Carry on. Oh, carry good. On. Can Facebook see go. us? Yeah? We on. We ready? We're good. Okay, carry on. So they'll yeah. edit that out when they... Yeah, so in terms of what made me get into the, into this, I suppose, this journey, I suppose it probably starts from a young age, if I'm being honest with you. And mm-hmm. I won't spend too much time on it, but I'm a young, obviously, i sort of grown up in Hansworth, Birmingham, for, you, you know the, the area quite well, Mike. I know it a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit growing <laughs> up in, in the area yourself. So growing up in, in sort of Hansworth, Birmingham, obviously throughout my years, um, went through a notion of, I suppose, as every young sort of black kid does at the minute, obviously not at the minute, but sort of particularly growing up in a sort of, I suppose, late 1990s, early 2000s, a lot of gang rivalries, there was mm-hmm. two main gangs at that time. Whilst I wasn't involved directly in any of the gangs, certainly I was no, there or thereabouts yeah. and associated by exactly, do you know what I mean? So I sort of ploughed through life, I suppose, um, of, uh, like many like me, haven't got all the opportunities that should have been made available to me, obviously coming mm. from a disadvantaged area, um, didn't leave school with great education, so on and so forth. But by hook or by crook and by somehow went to college, done quite well there, mm-hmm. um, always knew I wanted to do something in sport. Sport was always my outlet. Okay. Um, wasn't great academically. Was you the baller on the road? I was for a beat, and then and then what tends to happen when you hit 13, 14, you find the opposite sex, you know what I mean? And then my life started to become sort of, that started to become a main focal point of my life, if I'm honest with you. So, uh, <laughs> so I went from trying to be the, being the baller to trying to more be the bachelor, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but ultimately, sport was always my outlet, and I always knew that actually... Even if I wasn't going to be an elite sportsman, I wanted to be involved in sport in some way, shape mm, or form. So okay. went to college, um, I had a great college and, and managed to really knuckle down basically and do well there. By, um, Which college did you go? I went to South Birmingham College, it was called at that time, and it was based just outside town. So just just before you get to sort of Digbeth, it's actually in Digbeth basically, South Birmingham oh, College. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Another one South and City Birmingham yeah, College, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it's referred yeah, to yeah, as yeah. now. It's gone through a different, yeah, a few different change. connotations. So anyway, managed to plough through there, but somehow managed to get the grades to go to university mm-hmm. um, and ended up doing a sports science degree. Okay. Um, I was one of probably about 150, 250 people. I was probably the only black boy on my actual course which again 
Um, what uni did you go? I went to University of Birmingham. Okay. So at that time, it was considered a red brick university. <laughs> so um, it was quite challenging to get into, basically. Mm. So hence the surprise that I, I managed to make it in yeah. there. Um, <laughs> they maybe wanted to try and tick a diversity box at the time. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, got in there. And, and I suppose that was probably the most challenging period of my life in terms of feeling quite isolated as a, as a black person in, in sort of surroundings that would be alien to me because I've always grown up in my area always hanged around with certain people certain mm-hmm. friends had a social group mm-hmm. um and i feel i feel growing up and i don't know whether this is actually something that you might it might resonate with you actually mike but i was always reluctant to travel outside of my geographical area mm-hmm. and that's probably why i mentioned gang rivalry and gang territory before because growing up in handsworth i didn't really used to go to other areas like Aston or Newtown mm-hmm. because of Those association yeah, yeah, yeah. so therefore when it came to going to university as far as I was concerned unless I could go to Birmingham University in Birmingham do you know what I mean <laughs> I'm not going anywhere else yeah. and I would have not gone to university as a result but um and that's always stuck with me to be honest but I managed to go uni managed to get decent grades and then I suppose for me it was then about where do, how do I get a high-flying job, basically? I was, mm. There was other distractions as well growing up. There was other things I was getting into which weren't probably good for me. But essentially, I started a, a volunteer journey in sport. So I volunteered okay. for boxing, actually. Um, I had to go to Sheffield three days a week. But luckily, wow. it was the best volunteer experience I could ever hope for because at the time, Sheffield housed all of the Olympic boxing Hopeful, ah. so the likes of Anthony Joshua was there, um, the Yafai brothers at that time, if anyone's heard of them, they're actually from this area, so it might resonate with people as well. So whilst I'm working in an admin role in sport, I'm seeing all of those Olympic hopefuls train around me, to be fair. So it's a wonderful volunteer experience. And even at the time, people around me were like, why are you doing that for? Come and make money this way because you're volunteering yeah. to earn nothing, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? But I always knew it's a short-term loss for a long-term gain, gain essentially. Yeah. Um, going that extra mile. Going that extra mile. And mm. ultimately, by, by sticking at that journey, I then went from volunteering to having... Taking up a role with boxing to then working for oh, boxing nice. for seven years in, in various wow. different guises um, and various strategic roles, then working for other organisations and working for my last organisation, which was a, a really strategic role. And I suppose whilst going through that journey, uh, myself and a few like-minded friends thought, actually, why don't we set up something in the community, in our community that affects and we can have impact on people the way that sport and physical activity has had an impact on me. Um, so we set up our community interest company in 2013 called Sportski. And at the time, it was, all up, it was all around the notion of using physical activity and sport as a tool to engage more people from the community who are inactive and getting them active mm. and getting them healthy, but also looking at how can we positively impact more young people from disadvantagement coming from crime, antisocial behaviour, having all those negative influences and making them realise that if you do like sport, you don't have to be academically charged. Um, It's not just about elite sport and being a baller, but actually there's a whole host of other stuff you can get involved in. With with people... Sorry, I went on a bit too long. No, 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 no. I think in in the city areas, there's kind of... The three main, well, in the UK, it's you got to be a baller, you got to play football. If mm. not, if you're from the ends, maybe you can be interested in boxing. Apart from that, maybe basketball, but you're not, it's, not, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not like it is in the States. <coughs> or in the States, it's, yeah, you can be a baller or you can play American football. Here, I think 
working class communities whether that's because of the facilities or because of the mindset seem to pigeonhole ourselves mm. into just football yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it there's there's no real interest in nothing else. street yeah, people yeah, playing yeah. tennis or hockey or or and just all these other there's so many sports and exactly that is it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because again when 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 we created sports key and and sort of it was born out of a frustration particularly with myself and 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 the friend my friends that run it and then our directors of the organization as we went through school and we all went to the same school we always felt shoehorned into P nanites football or basketball or do you know what I mean? Mm. Don't get me wrong, man. We're on them things. Yeah. We enjoy it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> but it's almost like you want to do I, other stuff. You want to try. Want to try other stuff. And mm. and I suppose ultimately we're shoehorned into certain sports that have massively oversubscribed. And what you find with a lot of these sports, football, basketball, it you have to be very talented. But ultimately, probably two in ten actually make it and what happens mm. is two in ten out of ten devote their lives to it they sort of really i suppose throw their education not to the wayside but certainly it isn't it's a focal a point it's not yeah. a priority mm. um and i think there was a case the other day actually with a young boy taking his life after yeah, get yeah, after yeah. leaving the academy i think you actually sent it to me yeah, didn't yeah, you michael man city yeah, man city, yeah. Mm. so i think ultimately what we what our program our organization was born out of is let's try and get people from the community doing things differently so we had a vision and we're still trying to live that vision even as we speak and going forward where let's provide a menu of activity for the community mm-hmm. yes let's do football but let's do netball for women let's do boxer size let's do at the minute we're doing cycling let's do tennis let's do all sorts of things even down to equestrian to get people wow. to have an opportunity to experience something they've never had the opportunity to do, do you before. know the one that always bugged me like that was golf yeah yeah, you, yeah like in Hansworth, there's plenty of golf courses around like the Sanwa Valley one and stuff and I was just like why has school never taken us to play golf on Sanwa Valley why are we not even practicing playing golf on our own school field like it's just not even most definitely it's just yeah but then 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 you get into affluency because ultimately mm-hmm. if you think about you as a as a networker and, and business mm-hmm. now and even myself now being sort of thrown into the business world a lot of people I speak to the sort of want to go and play golf or yes, business deals happen thing. at the golf course and they ain't got a clue how to play golf and you almost feel actually are you missing out an opportunity by by not being exposed to something that you should have been exposed to when mm. you was younger um, but ultimately it's interesting because Sportsky we actually took people to a golf course oh, wow. and got them golf lessons basically a few years ago so oh, wow. so again it's, it's trying to provide people with the opportunity and that's what we're about basically and when we created the organisation, as I mentioned, it was in 2013. That was on the back of the 2012 Olympics. Now, the 2012 Olympics was supposed to create this lasting legacy of people mm-hmm. being active and getting involved in physical sports, activity yeah. and, and a wider degree of sports. But it just didn't happen because it was very focused on the elite end of it. We're actually mm-hmm. where all the community initiatives, where all the investment into those organisations in at communities grassroots at grassroots that can provide those opportunities. Mm. And interestingly enough, what they did do throughout that period is um, basically take away all the youth clubs, take away a lot of the youth services uh, and all the things that could have provided that. But that, well, that's another story. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's the <coughs> recipe for disaster, that, isn't it? And yeah. I remember seeing all that happen going, 
that's going to have massive, massive repercussions. Mm. So if somebody wanted to find out more about SportsKey, contact you, where, where would they find you? Yeah, so we've got a website. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're present on the, on the World Wide Web, as everyone is these days. So f- please have a look at us at www.sportskey.com. .co.uk mm-hmm. um, on the website we'll also link you to all of our social media mm-hmm. um, again the stuff on the website is is almost it's updated quite regularly but if you want a real instantaneous live snapshot of what we do mm-hmm. please check out our social media particularly our Instagram and that will show you all the good work what's that your we do. Instagram handle? Instagram handle is oh you challenging me yeah it's, <laughs> I, do you know what it's sports I don't even know about handles it, go on to the website you'll find it through there <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it's sports key official. Sports key official. That's what it, sports key underscore official. There we it's go. Popped into go. my head. I remembered. There we go, listeners. If you're interested in finding out more about sports key, um, and what sporting initiatives you can take in, take part in, or if you've got any sports initiative ideas that you'd love to see in your local area, and you're just frustrated that it doesn't exist, uh, contact Sports Key and they'll they'll try and make it happen for you. Most definitely. Cool. So we're going to take a commercial break here. Um, thank you for listening and drive safe. Unfortunately, but fortunately, here's some ads. <laughs> Hey there, listeners. We are back on Where's Your Head At on the Business Hour Show on Unity Radio 93.5 FM. And I'm joined by none other than Daniel Allen from SportsKey. We were just talking about business and the sporting world and sporting opportunities developing into potential income opportunities. So one of the, the things that you guys know that I do on the show uh, is I like to ask my guest about a quote so daniel what's a quote that means a lot to you or you find yourself saying a lot or yeah what's your what's what's your favorite quote um to be fair i'm not one massively for quotes but i suppose one that's always sort of i've sort of kept and held basically is one from nelson mandela and i've got it here in front of me because it's quite a long quote i I never can read it off the top of my head essentially so Mm. here's one i prepared earlier but the reason why (laughs) (laughs) the reason why it kind of lands with me is because it 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 almost comes from two angles that are important to me one of i suppose civil rights you know what i mean here's a man in terms of nelson mandela that gave up his freedom for the right thing you know what i mean civil rights trying to empower a nation trying to do the right thing um and sport which is obviously yeah. i'm a big advocate of sport and physical activity and the power that that can have and what it can do particularly for young people so one quote that has always resonated with me is is this sport has the power to change the world it has the power to inspire it has the power to unite people in a way that little else does it speaks to the youth in a language they understand sport can create hope where once there was only despair it is more powerful than government in breaking down racial barriers um so that that quote there has always been quite powerful for me do you know what i mean and if you look at certain things that sport does so when you have a world cup if you look at what that does for a country how it mobilizes it how it galvanizes it if you look at an olympics how when that lands in a country how you get you just get culture that just starts dripping out of the country you know what i mean so whether you have a world cup in brazil whether you have an olympics in tokyo you just see the culture of that country and you just see people blossom and, and galvanize even if it's only for two weeks you know what i mean yeah. which sounds which very often 
unfortunately is what happens because no one's great or no country's great at keeping that legacy and that investment and maintaining it following on do you know what i mean Mm. but if you think about when a, a world cup lands or a olympic lands you get the investment in terms of the infrastructure stadiums transport so on and so forth you get local opportunities more volunteer mm-hmm. more employment opportunities even if you look at us we've got the commonwealth games coming up yeah, in 2022 and um there's a lot of jobs coming up there through the commonwealth games check out their website if you haven't already and um, particularly young people watching um so if you look at sport and what it can do it can really really galvanize people mobilize Gee. nations you get me and provide opportunities for young people when something um transformational comes along like a, an event yeah. basically it definitely, definitely is <coughs> something that changes. It, it changes. It definitely does something in terms of racial barriers mm. and societal barriers. Mm. I think sport it kind of forces people to drop those things and mm. realize that we're all human. Mm-hmm. It forces people to go, "Oh, I've been told this about you, but <laughs> actually, you're as good as me." Or, "Oh, you're actually even better than me." <laughs> With that that kind of thing, and I think it when you force people to play sports on the same team mm. I remember seeing that in uh, I was doing some stuff with West Brom Academy when I was younger and I remember they used to try and take people from different areas mm. but you weren't allowed to tell people where you were from mm. if you got if told people where you're from then you got kicked off the thing yeah yeah um, that's good and then what ended up happening is people ended up becoming best friends with people from opposite areas from yeah, Aston yeah. and from Hansworth and it was like oh hang on a minute I've been told that everyone there is this way and I shouldn't talk to you but you're exactly like me. You're going through the same problems as me. Like, why why can't we be friends based on a on a postcode? That's ridiculous. And the sport just really, yeah, it, it, it definitely makes a major, major impact. On the boxing one, I've got a question for you. Go for it. Who's the GOAT? Who's the GOAT? Yeah. You know what? This this might be laid with controversy, controversy, but um, for me, again, I, I can't judge boxers past. I can only judge boxing from what I see you get me and for me Floyd Mayweather the way the the, the level of training he used to put in Mm -hmm. although people just see the glitz and glamour the level of dedication the the talent the artistry the just the ability in the ring and what he used to do to other boxers in the ring I ain't seen nothing else like it do you know what I mean and whilst don't get me wrong is like Marmite for some people because some people <laughs> see the glitz and the glamour. But I honestly don't mind that. If man wants to, if man wants to be drippy, it's up to them. You got me. You know what I mean? He's, he's got the money, flaunts it. He's done the work, and he backs it up. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, you got other boxers out there that sort of profess and go out there living a lavish lifestyle, but then, then don't back it up. So with Mayweather, time and time again, he's backed it up. You know what I mean? Fifth, retired with fifty odd fights, unbeaten. <laughs> Um, people talk about oh, I picked his fights but he fought everyone that was out there um, and ultimately the, he was never close to being displaced was, you know what I mean was so, he in the same weight class as Prince Nassim because I used to love that Prince Nassim Prince Nassim was, was a featherweight wasn't he oh, was a super was featherweight so he was a bit ah, lower basically okay. yeah, yeah. the way that guy used to dodge punches Prince Nassim <laughs> to be fair so that so I, I grew up on Nazim to be fair yeah, do you know what okay. I mean That's, that was probably my first boxing idol do you okay, know what I mean yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. and yeah, on Playstation everything <laughs> <laughs> but Nazim was, was, was he, he was serious to be fair do you know what I mean he was, he was something else the, the show business the, the coming out on a, <laughs> on a 
magic carpet and all them things, the dancing. <laughs> and again, the fighter that backed it up, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, but he was probably my first kind of real boxing idol. But for me, in terms of the goal, it, it's for me, it's Floyd Mayweather, to be quite honest. Yeah, Floyd is uh, <coughs> comes under a category that I always talk about where... I believe that he overstands boxing. Mm. So because of the amount of time he's put into his craft, he doesn't understand it. He overstands, overstands it. it so he, he can see what someone's going to do before they've mm. even done it. Just yeah. from a twitch of their right toe, he's like, okay, that means you've got me in with a, a right hook and then a right jab. Like <laughs> he, just, he just knows and you can see it when you're watching his fights. You're like, how is this guy predicting every single move and dodging every single punch? And you're like, nah, that's that's graft that's do you know do you know what watching some of these fights used to remind me of you know like um in the matrix where man's where the, the, it's a film <laughs> the dodging yeah. the, the dodging bullets <laughs> and you're thinking hold on like do you know what i mean and for me sometimes if i was in if we're in a boxing room flow maybe it'd, it'd be something like that it's like the man is from something out of some yeah. kind of matrix film the way he can predict and What's and knowing that it, to me it's, it's his range though he always sort of stayed out of range basically yeah, 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 um yeah. of his opponent yeah, um, and new sort of it's all about sort of timing that making them miss and making them pay and, and that was what was special about Floyd in my eyes you know what I mean mm. timing was everything with him so in terms of that kind of missing and, and obstacles what would you say for you has been one of your biggest obstacles and biggest challenges or perhaps an obstacle that you now see as a blessing um, to be fair I'm quite blessed to be fair I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I've I know my, my life feels like a massive challenge and, and I mentioned sort of my upbringing and sort of going through disadvantage. I, I suppose it's... I wasn't terribly disadvantaged. I had good people around me, so I couldn't say I had massive, massive challenges. I just tried to do the right thing, um, essentially. But in terms of a massive challenge for me... <coughs> oh, I'm getting the levels. Yeah, in terms of a, 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 a massive challenge for me, I think it's ultimately... Um, I think it's just navigating through now particularly work life balance it's, it's almost mm. understanding actually there's so much going on there's so much things that are vying for your time and it's how you you be efficient within that basically mm. so I'm, I'm a father of two now mm -hmm. um, so I think kids was probably my biggest challenge and my biggest blessing if I'm honest with yeah. you do you know what I mean <laughs> Um, I think where, a lot of listeners will definitely yeah, know where yeah, you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. So my biggest challenge is ensuring that I I, I have a platform and provide them with a, a, a life that is better than mine, essentially. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I think that's my biggest challenge. I would have, if you would have asked me this five years ago, I would have been on, going on about staying out of gangs, um, not getting myself involved in, in certain things. And whilst the, those things were challenging, I've navigated through that period. And for me, so, the biggest challenge now is being a parent and ensuring that um, I'm just utilising my time wisely and making sure I'm providing them with a better future. You okay. So with the kids, what, what kind of strategies and things do you use to kind of juggle your time and manage your time, especially being as they're, they're so young? What, what kind of things do you do to help you manage? Well, I suppose for me, it's a bit of unorganised chaos, if I'm honest with you. Okay. I've never been the best <laughs> at time management, so I'm not going to profess that I am. But I suppose what I, what I, what I do now is I, I try to effectively make sure I spend time with my kids and make sure that their priority effectively but whilst trying to run various different um, ent enterprise 
outlets basically so i suppose one of my strategies is i, I sort of miss out on sleep quite a lot which isn't great <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of sleep deprivation not from just them waking up but ultimately i i sort of make sure i give them time in the evening but the i suppose the substitute is that i spend a lot of my evenings doing additional work basically mm-hmm. um to basically catch up basically so um it's not a good trait, but that's one of the ways that I sort of go above and beyond is actually I need to do work into the evening to in order to catch up because I'm someone who, if I've got a task list and I haven't done it for that day, I start to get become quite antsy, basically. Okay. Um, I start, it starts to unnerve me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So um, that, that flows perfectly into the next question, which is what what is the day in the life of Daniel like? What is the day in the life of Daniel at Sportski like? Right, yeah. So... I suppose the day in the life has changed for me over the last six weeks because I've made a transition where I worked for a a company, an organisation mm-hmm. that was quite strategic. So a day in the life six weeks ago um, used to be sort of sitting behind a desk um, at the at the keyboard, sending emails, looking at strategic documents. Whereas I found myself becoming far detached from what I joined that industry for, mm-hmm. basically, which was being in the community, supporting the community and, and effectively community development. Um, and there was no better time than now where actually, given COVID, given civil rights movements, given some of the sy- sy- systemic and institutional barriers p- people have, particular of ethnicity, for me there was no greater time to make that transition and try and have an impact on people locally to try and break down some of those barriers through what I do. Mm-hmm. So um, a day in the life now can look very different from day to day. I mean, uh, a day in the life probably starts with um, going to the gym. Mm Got to keep my gains on, you know what I mean? Um, Dropping off the kids to school um, and then cracking on with sports key from about nine to six. um, And what that would entail is effectively a bit of admin. um, It could entail phone calls, could entail um, cycling. So at the minute, we've just started up a cycling group. Um, It could entail delivering one of our sessions, whether that be badminton, football, netball, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, it could entail speaking to young people about what they need to do in the organisation, how we develop them and send them on courses. Um, it could, it's, it's so multifaceted, it's unreal, and that's why the, the challenge of being more enterprising, the challenge of being master of my own destiny was so appealing because every day is different. I am able to paint my day in, in a vision that I want essentially mm-hmm. and ultimately allows me to have impact on a lot more people in a in a much more meaningful way. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Um, so every day is different, Mike, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Today is getting up. Uh, it's always a good start. <laughs> <laughs> getting up, um, dropping the kids to school because I can't go to gym, which yeah. I'm unhappy about. Um, doing some admin, writing a funding bid about how we're going to develop a piece of work going forward. Um, at the minute, we're looking at a what's called a community of practice, which is... We're going to work with a range of other local organisations similar to us mm-hmm. and help take them on a development journey through governance, through how to write bids, through um, philanthropy, so how to connect with um, people who may be looking to invest in organisations doing good work in the community. So I've been spending the morning sort of contacting organisations, getting them on that and looking at how we can deliver these workshops to these groups, basically. Okay. And now I'm here having a radio interview, so well, hey. every 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 day is different, you know what I mean? But what I'm going to do, because I've got a question that I, I believe would definitely value um, some of the people on Instagram would value, take some value from this, is I'm going to go back to the good old live 
on Instagram. Isaac, you might want to edit this bit out for a bit. Okay, perfect. So, um, so yeah, the question I wanted to ask you in regards to funding. So, for anyone out there that, that's listening, um, this is this you may take some value from this. What is the range of what you can actually help people to get funding for? Yeah, it's, I think people are quite surprised actually when, when I when I speak about this. But um, if you don't know, you don't know. And and what I see is a lot of people doing good work in the community and, and we were victims of it ourselves where trying to do something good but your hands forever going into your pocket you know what I mean going into going into your home your, your hands forever in, in your coffers taking out money to buy equipment to buy things that you need in order to make people smile in the community and impact their lives mm-hmm. but ultimately there's a wealth of support out there which people don't realise so um, there's, there's two types of funding that's out there basically there's revenue funding so um, that is anything from sort of salary of a member of staff to equipment to paying overheads to support to rent to um you name it it's quite far reaching to be honest with you mm-hmm. and and the amount of funding that's out there is anything from sort of one pound all the way up to five hundred thousand pounds and and potentially beyond um and there's such a wealth of um external grant givers from the national lottery to heart of england to comic relief so some of the mainstream ones people will be aware of that they see on their tv or mm-hmm. or radio or whatever it may be to more non-traditional grant givers who are kind of charities that have been set up by people with a bit of money mm-hmm. um, and they're looking to give away to good causes as well mm-hmm. um, and then you've got capital funding which is all around buildings and extending and modernizing buildings or land okay. effectively um and again, that's available for any organisations or groups who either own a piece of land or own a building or have a long-term lease on a building or, or, or piece of land, essentially. And again, they can use funding which stems all the way from £1 up to £1 million, £2 million, et so on and so forth, to develop a plot of land as long as it's got community um interest as long as it's got community interest and community spirit in mind essentially okay are you allowed to talk about any previous campaigns that you've been involved on or transformations that you've done <coughs> well there's, there's there's been a number of them um i think my time spent in kind of working in sports development so if i take boxing for instance mm-hmm. i was involved in a number of clubs boxing clubs which had received in receipt of Fifty thousand to a hundred thousand pounds to develop their site. I, I actually can probably reference a couple because we're in the area. So there's a, there's a boxing club just down the road mm-hmm. called Paddy Benson's Boxing Academy. Had quite a hand in supporting them as an organisation develop their site, and they've gone from strength to strength. Okay, um, nice. There's a boxing club not too far down here from here called Birmingham City Amateur Boxing Club. Again, had some work there in terms of developing their site. Um, okay. So that's from a capital perspective, basically. Um, myself as an organisation, Sportskey, we've received um, a massive amounts, but a, a good livable amount of, mm-hmm. of funding, and we're working towards even more going forward. Funding from the National Lottery to put myself in post as a salaried member of staff. We've got another member of staff who, again, we've utilised funding to put him in post. So um, we've managed to navigate across funding and access 
a bit that enables us to really start this this journey of kind of creating this enterprise basically um and as- aside from that i've worked with other organizations to help empower them and support them to access their own funding as well so okay. i can't put wow. a number on it but i would say if i look in my, my black book i've probably helped organizations to le- leave in anything between sort of 500 to 800 000 thus far wow. in terms of that journey basically that's amazing mm. that's that's legacy at its yeah, finest yeah, that is, yeah. isn't it like you're you're kind of you are the plug mm. <laughs> everyone's gonna be a plug of some sort for certain <laughs> do you know what i mean and whilst i don't always put numbers on it because you put me on the spot with that question where i've actually but i think when i do go through the numbers and i go through how much organizations i've supported in in throughout my time it's, it's crazy to see actually how much investment's going into the community but the, the biggest problem is mike is that funders the amount that's out there is, is, is really a stone in the ocean, basically, because there's so much funding out there that's available. Mm-hmm. But the funders want to give to local organisations, particularly in Birmingham, but there's not enough of them applying, basically. There's not enough of them um, becoming aware of where to get the funding from and how to access it. OK, OK. We're just going to take a, an advert break here, guys. Thanks for tuning in. No answer. All under one. So yeah, we're just getting into the the juice of it of of what's important that there is funding that there is this availability of resources to to help these sports clubs to help these youth centres to help these kids out there, but people just don't even know it's there, and it's just a shame. So that's why I want to get it out on the airwaves so that someone listening to this can go, oh my gosh, I thought I was going to have to close down this sports club, and I had six or twenty or thirty or fifty kids that. I was keeping off the street mm. and keep keeping focused, and now you might be able to help them stay alive, and yeah, you might keep some kids alive. Yeah, but definitely, I think ultimately, it's um, it's, it's the reality is exactly how you said it, Mike. You know what I mean? I think now more than ever, when you look at the way the world might be going into twenty twenty one, more cuts, more community centres um, in emergency situations. Um, furlough unemployed more young people not mm-hmm. given opportunities so for me it's, it's critical that as much community centers organizations sports clubs people doing positive thing in the community and providing opportunities stay open during this time and 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 external support is a way forward but ultimately it should only be used as almost a platform mm-hmm. um and, and it can be used as a platform at this moment in time and i think the main thing is to either shout me at sports key so We've got an email, which is inquiries at sportskey.info. Um, if you are a community organisation, sports club, and you want to know a bit more, drop us a line. And even if we can't help directly, we can certainly point people in the right direction because there are a few services out there that can help with this. It's not just ourselves. And we certainly, we're on our own journey of trying to sustain our own community enterprise. So um, we can't service everyone, but certainly we can ultimately help and support push them in the right direction if we can't you know what i mean so again if somebody wanted to find you and needed some help with funding what's the what's the website yeah so the website to, for what we do essentially is www.sportskey.co.uk um to holler at us through email it's inquiries at sportskey.info perfect perfect guys you heard it there if you know any sports businesses um that are impacting any children's lives that you know of and you want to help keep it open get in contact because I think for me that's one of the most important things on the planet right now
Boom. Okay, so now I'm gonna quiz you on some mindset stuff. Mindset, yeah, okay. man. Mindset, because that's that's what's made you a different cut of cloth, and <laughs> like, what would you say is a book that you read that made a big difference to your life? Um, do you know what? I, it's it's interesting because I um book reading is something that I haven't done for a while. I, I tend to read up on a lot of stuff, but it more tends to be in relation to my work. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It more tends to be a strategic document or something to do with society but it's more kind of documents it's proper boring do you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) but um what i do want to do going forward and i suppose what i am from a mindset perspective um one person that i suppose a lot of your listeners will subscribe to is akala Mm -hmm. um i've recently ordered his book literally last night actually in fact coincidentally um called natives race and class in the ruins of empire um so for me, Akala's got an interesting view on race relations in mm. Britain, um, given that he's someone of mixed heritage and navigating mm. through um, deprivation and, and, and whatnot. But he, he speaks so eloquently, he articulates his message so well, um, and he's, he's, he's come from the road, you get me? Yeah, so yeah, therefore, yeah, yeah. he resonates with both sides, do you know what I mean? Mm. So therefore... That would be a book I'd recommend, and I'm certainly going to get stuck into that when I find time throughout this lockdown. Um, another thing that I'm, I've ordered and I'm, I'm looking to read is a, is a book around blockchain technology. Oh, um, nice. Without going into too much detail, um, they describe the emergence of blockchain technology. So it's a technology that drives cryptocurrencies, essentially. Mm-hmm. Describe that being... or the beginning of what we define as almost like the fourth industrial revolution essentially mm-hmm. so blockchain technology is gonna it's almost gonna be like what the internet was when the internet first landed yeah, basically yeah, 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 so yeah. i've just ordered a book about that by a guy called david goggins basically oh good old david goggins david that goggins. Book. yeah 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 oh, i no actually have to pull up the title of it to be fair i can't like uh, if isn't david goggins the soldier guy yeah yeah he's doing stuff on blockchain uh, apparently yeah but I w- let me when I find the book. Oh, fair when I find the book, I find I can find it whilst we talk. And I, before we finish up here, I'll get the actual um, I'll get the actual name of it basically. Oh no way! I didn't because so, yeah, I, yeah. I keep meaning to read his book. He's he's like this ex Navy SEAL that's like just now like a success coach, and he's won like loads of marathons and all sorts of stuff. I, I've been meaning to check out his stuff. Definitely. Yeah, definitely have a look. And I, and I suppose just quickly in terms of mindset, I think. I'm just, it's, it's an entrepreneurial mindset. It's mm-hmm. one of enterprise. It's, I think, and I was a victim of it myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say my journey still hasn't ended. So we don't know how it's going to, where it's going to go. But ultimately, I think I was of a mindset of a nine to five, um, following a career trajectory, mm-hmm. which is sort of just working my nine to five day in, day out. Um, not to say I wasn't affording the upward progression. I, I, I could have, but it just wasn't satisfying some of the f- stuff that I wanted to do mm. and sort of where internal. I wanted to be at internally. Do you know what I mean? And mm. almost, do you know what I mean? Just that internal, am I doing enough? Is is this providing opportunities? And am I am I sort of, am I sort of giving out the knowledge that I've got from this sector and, and, and making it relevant to enough people wow. and having enough impact? So for me, I made the, the decision about six weeks ago to leave my full-time job essentially um, luckily, because I'm quite fortunate enough to know about the funding landscape, was able to get some funding to enable to, me to do so. But um, it's very much the fear of not doing, yeah. So ultimately, I would have regretted not doing it 
and going on my own entrepreneurial journey more than I would just staying and doing what I was I always mm. was already doing. That do you know what, what if, if that constant what if, what if I would if. never have known. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And yes, we are in the midst of a, a pandemic, and yes, unemployment might be rife going forward. But actually, I know that given what I've done the amount that I've put in, I could always go back to the career that I had in mm. some way, shape and form. What I can't do is 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 do this again, essentially. You and get so time back. I, you can't get that time back, basically. Mm. So essentially, I think we probably let fear rule too much where we say, actually, I'm not going to take that leap of faith because what about this and what about that? Um, but for me, I was doing the same thing day in, day out. And expecting different results and that's ultimately the definition of insanity doing the same thing mm -hmm. over and over again and expecting something different and while certainly the position I, I was in was comfortable I was in a comfortable position but my aspirations are to do and be more mm. essentially so it's so like a, a comfort had a externally but not comfort internally yeah yeah so I had a proper comfort blanket you get me I was nice and snug and I was chilling <laughs> um, but I've always been someone that's tried to like be ambitious tried to push my boundaries and for me this is more of a, a personal rewarding journey of how can I lead my own organisation that I co-founded and how can I have impact and drive that mission <laughs> as opposed to driving someone else's mission where actually when you really look at it with the pandemic and Covid at the snip, snip, at the sort of snap of a of a thumb and a finger, someone else could make the decision for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm out of a job. Control. You know what I mean? Whereas now I'm, I, I know sort of where we're at. I know what's coming. I know what we need to do in order to really generate income into the organisation to mm. mean we're sustainable. And it's just about me cracking on and doing it now. Do you know what I mean? Mm. As opposed to doing a great job day to day and still being told, you know what? Times run it, run run its run its course. You know, you come to an end regardless of how great you're doing because the organisation has just hit a stumbling block due to COVID. Do you know what mm. I mean? So very much of an entrepreneurial mindset. And whilst I'm not encouraging anyone to leave their jobs, I think particularly ethnic people would perhaps stay working for other people and, and keeping that knowledge, skills and expertise far too long, providing it to an mm. organisation when we could be doing it ourselves for our and impacting far more people who need it. More. the most yeah that's that's so deep man so would you say that the times ahead need more entrepreneurship because that actually creates more jobs most definitely i think you need more entrepreneurship you need more small to medium enterprises conversely it's, it's what's probably that this whole covid thing is chopping down more than anything but i think you need more because it creates more localized jobs and creates mm. more localized opportunities if we if we have an absence of people being entrepreneurial, a lack of small to medium enterprises, what you get is big conglomerate, big corporations. And as we know and have seen historically, those systems aren't designed for ethnic people in the main. Yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we are. It's a vicious cycle because there's a strong correlation with ethnicity and deprivation. So by rights, we're more likely to have low skill, low education. And then we're competing with people of affluence and affluence who have got better education better upbringings in some in some instances less challenging circumstances better networks mm. for these jobs in massive corporations and um the, the corporations aren't designed for us so not only is it challenging in terms of us against our competitors but also the system isn't built and designed for us and there's so much institutionalized barriers without going into interviews yeah. and and all the rest of it that are, are there to sort of stop us so it's, it's almost a, a two-pronged attack on, on on some of the ethnic population so yeah, i very yeah. much sign up to put of people 
being more entrepreneurial build your and, own and corporation their own building their own image essentially yeah, you know 100%. what i mean if so they can w- i'm gonna throw it out to you now in terms of my favorite thing to get people to do which is where sometimes people throw me a mad curveball throw me a question mm. any question on anything on anything anything oh okay um this this is this is this hasn't been rehearsed, so I, I don't quite uh, know where I might take this. <laughs> I, I suppose my question to you, Mike, and in our conversations, we've we've spoken about. Obviously, I know you've got an interest in investments and, mm. and blockchain technology, but I suppose my question to you is probably like twofold: is one, what do you think about COVID mm-hmm. and what it's doing? Is it a pandemic? do you believe it's natural and what do you think about the world going forward in terms of cashless society mm-hmm. blockchain technology can you just share some of your thoughts insights on and thoughts on, on that those is two topics? a great question um so as you know i'm an absolute avid reader and one of the things that i have seen complete evidence of is that history repeats itself mm. and i think one of the biggest problems that we have in society at this moment in time is people are taking in a lot of information but they're not taking in backed up factual Mm -hmm. information so there's a lot of i like to use the italian word fugazi (laughs) there's a lot of fugazi at the moment and people are gorging on the fugazi rather than gorging on the (coughs) facts and then finding the things that back up Mm -hmm. the facts Mm -hmm. they're kind of using a an a plus b system mm. where a is true because b is true mm. and b is true because a is true mm. but you haven't proved mm-hmm. any of them like it's it's not fact whereas with this uh, having again one of the things i always do is i always focus on my own reality that's mm. that's the ultimate thing i would always tell people is question your own reality don't question what you see on social media or what you read in books if you read something in a book then go and do your own research in reality mm-hmm. so if i find out about a virus or anything like that so I, I i it was funny because before last year i don't know what happened but i just had this obsession with researching the the great flu pandemic that happened in 1910 um, which was that was, the Spanish flu? Yeah, the Spanish flu. And mm. I was just like so intrigued by it. I was like, how have 100 million people died from this? More people than World War Two, And we're not learning about it in school. And then COVID happened. And I was like, how come even now that this has come out, we're still not learning about the actual magnitude of the Spanish flu? And then I remember I, I, I spoke to my nan and my nan's in her 80s now. And she was like, well, there's been actually plenty of other pandemics apart from the the Spanish flu in her lifetime. There was a massive measles outbreak and kids were dying Small, yeah. of, of yeah, measles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she was like, yeah, there was a massive thing with polio and like kids were ending up disabled. And so she was like, yeah, these, these things happen. They're, they're real. It's just that your generation hasn't experienced any of them in the past because they've been eradicated through vaccines. So that's when I was like, Oh, hang on a minute. These, so there's maybe millions of people that have actually benefited from these vaccines. So mm-hmm. I, I, again, based it on my own reality and my own experience mm-hmm. from someone that I love and that I trust. So then I had to kind of go, okay, if that's the case and if this thing is natural and it happens and we are humans and we are uh, just chemical and mm. uh, bio organisms then there is going to be 
problems and it's just about how are we going to deal with these problems in future because as a bioorganism this isn't going to be the first or isn't going to be the last problem like mm, this that happens yeah. as there's more of us and there's more of us interacting there's going to be more problems yeah. and one of my ultimate things that i always say to people is the beautiful thing about humans is is we are random yeah. no matter what plans you make if you just look through history and i cannot recommend the book sapiens and the book history of the world by andrew marr they kind of show you that whatever plans you're making someone someday is going to just come out with something that's going to completely ruin all your plans which is like um the guy that found the vaccine for 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 cowpox okay. like and, and smallpox that ended up causing a massive population spike so what ended up happening was the human population went from 500,000 people on the planet to about a billion in this the space of 200 300 years madness and then it's just been growing exponentially just because of one person creating one vaccine yeah. so to get to that point how many people had to die for them to get that vaccine right mm. and i think what the the world's mindset is now is they expect science to get it right the first time mm. but it's never going to do that mm. because things change yeah, yeah, yeah so like we're, we're, we're in this kind of world where we expect things to just go perfectly and right all the time because and even more as we get uh, for the younger generations because that's what they're used to mm. so our generation is we're used to things on our phone or things on our computer or things in our life just going right yeah just we expect i'm going yeah, to yeah. nike shop and i'm going to order these pair of trainers and it's going to be there if you talk to our parents grand generation or our great grandparents generation that just wasn't the way they're used to things going yeah, wrong yeah. and they're used to okay things are going to take this and this mistake and da, 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 and then eventually something will have a result after 10 years all you've mm. got to do is look at the civil rights movement mm. it's it didn't it's not great where it is now but things have progressed over a period of time not overnight and mm. i think the younger generations are a victim of them the, the microwave generation mm. they don't even want to put the food in for the whole 60 seconds <laughs> they want to they want to they want to press the buzzer yeah, at 30 yeah yeah, yeah 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 and i think this is our downfall is actually that we're actually too spoiled mm. now the digital revolution in terms of the blockchain stuff again is inevitable this digital revolution has been happening right before our eyes over a period of time and i had a great guest on previously and she works in ai oh, um, no and she's she's a lecturer um in machine learning and again i think people have a fear because we don't understand whereas from what i see and what i understand from the research i've done the leaps and bounds that we're going to do as a human race once we really allow ai to to help us and, and cryptocurrencies and so on and so forth to help us is exponential it's like like you said it's like having the internet it's going to cause this just up spike of of wealth and of of learning and right now because of the internet more people can understand about investing than ever mm. but what's going to happen going forward with this computing and blockchain is it's going to be in the mental health space mm. so i think what's going to happen is there's going to be a massive uptick in people's mental well-being mental capacities and mental and financial mm. skill right. so i think what's going to happen is there's going to be more wealth and more mental well-being than ever before as a human race mm. and you can kind of see little snippets of it because right now as a 10 year old you can pick up and learn about meditating with sesame street mm. our grandparents 
that's not even a conversation. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, so you can see it like it's 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 happening. It's there, but our focus is on the things that aren't a reality. And I think we just need to get people to focus on reality. reality. Like what what's actually really happening in front of you. What can you see? What can you feel? Talk to your grandparents if you're lucky enough mm. to to have them, mm. and just be like, what was your world like? Mm. What financial changes happen for you because for our grandparents in the UK alone there's been free changes of 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 of, of currency mm. and in America even even more probably I think it's been four since before World War Two. Mm. So for us we're panicking because it's something we haven't experienced yeah, before four. because the gap has been bigger mm. because last time it worked it worked very well yeah so it's just about us kind of understand it's a very long-winded answer but i hope that gives no yeah completely summarizes it and gives a perspective so am, am i right in saying from your answer that it, from a covid perspective in particular that you believe it is natural yeah, basically yeah, 100%, 100%, natural insight in natural 100 and that effectively because i i not i'm not gonna say i know in detail about the spanish flu and but mm-hmm. i know the, the numbers that it affected and yeah. if you look at ebola and, yeah. and so on and so forth um and i suppose it'd be interesting and there's a netflix special on this as well actually that mm-hmm. i saw where it talked about the spanish flu ebola the numbers that it affected basically mm-hmm. um but i don't know if the level I don't know if the level of media attention, the it restrictions wasn't. was to the same it, degree. It, it wasn't. And that's because... Threat. Do you know what I mean? That's because now, again, we have too much information. Mm. So even the top scientists, they've got too much information. Yeah, yeah, they've yeah. got too many variables and there's too much capital at risk. Mm. There's too much capital at risk from big corporations to allow a worst case scenario. Mm. Because there's now more people to manage. You can't... The, the, the kind of human rights things that you could have got away with mm. fif- uh, in 1910, you could let 100 million or <laughs> te- a, a million people, <laughs> something happen to them. Yeah, and it, yeah. it wouldn't even make the... How would... If, if a million people died in a country, in the UK, how did you find out about it in 1910? You didn't. You didn't. You didn't. Whereas <coughs> now, because of this information overload, global governments are in a position where they have to be responsible. Mm. They can't just allow people to be hard done by yeah, yeah, because yeah. it will go out on the yeah, internet and the world will find the numbers out numbers amplify very quickly exactly yeah, so yeah, yeah. then there's there's it's, it's that kind of everyone would rather everyone has to save face mm. everyone has to it's better to do this than to have the worst case scenario because mm. if the worst case scenario happens the whole world knows that we messed up yeah so yeah, we'd yeah. rather mess up in this way than mess up in yeah yeah, yeah. the big way yeah, and yeah. i think that's the the angle that I, I see from okay. from the history books so okay. yeah that's 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 my two cents on it cool um, I'm going to wrap up the show there uh, thank you very much Daniel you've been an incredible guest thanks for Had having some, me some uh, great questions <laughs> um, and yeah just if you want to get a Daniel please do um, let's make some impact um, yeah thank you for listening to the Business Hour special where's your head at I've been your host Michael Harding at Unity FM 93.5 Birmingham and my guest has been Daniel Allen from S- Sportsky <laughs> there we go shout us <laughs> sweet guys see you later bye